Hi, Brenna. Hi, Maureen. You yeah. cannot dilly-dally today. I turned off my AC for this recording, and it's going to be a high of 107. Oh my god, you didn't tell me that before I, like, was talking to you for, like, 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's okay. I've only been- I've been dying quietly. It's okay. I am- I'm so sorry. Uh, sticky? I'm very sticky. Um. Well, that's- It's not- Being sticky and- gross is a perfect way because we're starting a new book <laughs> right <laughs> right folks um we are starting a new book yeah it's moon do you want to talk about the books we've read first yeah well this week i'm still reading gideon the ninth but in between that yes i just finished wake by dr rebecca hall and it's the hidden history of women-led slave revolts so dr rebecca hall nice. um she is uh a historian and a teacher um, a professor, and she studied basically um, and talks about it in this. It's a graphic novel about uh, the the history of like women, um, obviously who led slave revolts, but also her own history being a black woman um, in America and also traveling different um, countries and in like the '90s and early 2000s, trying to find this history that's been hidden away and kind of denied to be acknowledged that this stuff happened um and that women were often uh leaders in these uh situations because in slave ships uh the women were usually not chained they were let uh um up and like loose on board so they were usually ones on slave ships leading um the riots and the fighting back um heck yeah and it's it's also interesting because she kind of talks about like sort of the trauma of you know just hearing about the things that happen to these women that are she is the granddaughter of a slave um you know mm -hmm. her, her she goes into her grandmother's history a bit about um what her like life was like after um being free um and it's also i don't know if she identifies as a lesbian or bisexual but she does have a woman partner um who's also she is a woman loving woman yes and uh, I, I saw, I wasn't able to confirm it on any websites, um, that she's identifies as a lesbian or bisexual or what she identifies as, but yeah, she like, uh, briefly mentions her family and I was like, oh my God, cause they have adopted son and her partner and it's, ah. and it's very beautiful. And it was a Kickstarter led book. It was, it's illustrated, um, by Hugo Martinez and he did a fantastic mm -hmm. job. The symbolism is amazing. Um, oh. like just with the imagery, uh, like I need to reread it and just like soak it in. It's um, it's something I think is very important to read. Uh, any American should read and acknowledge the history of their country, but and also to yeah. learn more of so much of the history that's been lost by just denying that those things have happened and how how many like it's one of those things. Whenever you look at something, you're like, oh right, history isn't just things that happened. It's also people were there. Mm -hmm. People did these things, and some of those people are my ancestors. And I need to, like, look into this and understand that, you know, they were a person like me who did these things. And it's, it's a very good read. Um, so it ended up being an unintentional pride read. I was like, yeah, Rebecca, <laughs> go Dr. Hall. Yeah. Good for you. Um, but yeah. So that's what I read. Well, thank you. Well, I am still reading Trader Baru because um, I'm moving right now. I'm literally in the middle of the move. I've been going nonstop. I've been getting up early and like moving things in, emptied the storage locker, um, you know, going to work and then coming. I, I unloaded things at like 10 p.m. last night, oh, wow. which is actually probably for the best because uh, the sun the was down and therefore it wasn't as hot. Right. 
Um, so yeah, it is uh, super, super hot. I've been uh, just sweating everywhere. It is dripping. It is gross. I'm gross. Anyway, so I'm still reading that book, but um, there's a lot of bookstores here in the Portland area, which is... Um, Temptation surrounds great. you. Great. Huh? Temptation surrounds you. Oh, I know. And I, I went to this one, like a Friends of the Library one, and got like five books for $11. And I was just, like, browsing and, like, looking for something that kept, caught my mind, caught my eye, you know, just, like, anything. Mm-hmm. Guess what I find? Guess whose author, the author name, catches my eye in the sci-fi fantasy section? Who? Kate Carey. Oh, hey, she's one of the, isn't she one of the I'm like, is this the same Kate Carey? And I open up the back to read the about the author, best-selling author Kate Carey grew up in Central England. Oh, okay. Um, with her husband, uh, now lives in Scotland with her husband and young son. Right. We know from Twitter, and under a pseudonym, she has written a number of epic <laughs> animal fantasies, Activia books, and adventure books for younger readers. That's our Kate. That's our Kate. So I did actually realize when I got home that this is book two, so I probably won't be reading it for a while. Oh, because I have to get um, book one. And I don't know if it's any good, but it is a vampire story. So I think Kate it'll be Carey, good. I I think it will be, but um, yeah. So uh, Kate Carey has a vampire sci-fi book yeah has a vampire uh vampire novel series so um i'll eventually read that but it'll be proudly on my bookshelf so that was my uh that was my fun find the other week (laughs) awesome well that's a fun tie-in well yeah so we are start so we should say we're starting a new we're starting a new book we did say that we're starting a new book moonrise because oh do you want to do an our intro yeah yeah (laughs) because i'm ember heart and I'm Tangleton. And this is Warrior Cats. What is that? Are you ready for Moonrise? Yes, I'm I'm ready. Because last time was midnight. Well, actually, we're going back in time. So. Yeah, it would be really cool if all the times of days went in order, but it I, was, like, I super did, doesn't. I did look at, like, the, uh, the, just the general, what the names of the novels were. Um, and I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, these don't go in order at all. Because I saw one's called, like, no. Twilight and one's, uh, I think. Yeah. Wouldn't uh, that have been very satisfying? If yeah. Had? But at least everything's thematic. Everything's the same theme. It's, like, words for yeah. nighttime or it has to do with the moon moving in the sky that's fine that works mm-hmm. um for sure uh, we got a we got a prologue well first i'm just gonna give you some book oh info. Right. i always forget we start with some fun book facts when was this bad boy published uh august 2nd 2005 i was 10 yep i would have been nine mm-hmm. written by cherith baldry so Cherith wrote this one. Um, and Feathertail was depicted on the original Wayne McLaughlin cover. Um, but the Owen Richardson reprint actually has Stormfur on the cover instead. Okay. 
Um, and guess what? What? This will be our first book with a point of view that isn't in ThunderClan. That <gasps> isn't a ThunderClan cat. This is our first non-ThunderClan protagonist. Point of view protagonist. Yeah. Yes, we're at a ThunderClan. Uh, okay, can I guess who it is? Sure. Can I guess who the perspectives are? Um, is it Feathertail and Stormfur? <laughs> um, not Feathertail. Oh, okay, Stormfur. so Stormfur and probably someone back at the clan. Um, I don't know, Graystripe. No. I mean, do you want okay, me to tell you or do you want to be surprised? No, I want to be surprised. So I guess one, okay. but we'll be surprised for who the, they actually are. All right, you ready for this prologue? Yes! Cats streaked with mud are creeping into a cave. They are afraid. Eyes darting around, looking for danger in every corner. A cat completely covered in mud steps out from behind the stalagmites. He welcomes them. He tells them, Moonlight lies in the water. It is time for a telling, according to the laws of the tribe of endless hunting. A cat creeps forward. Stone teller, have you seen a sign? Has the tribe of endless hunting spoken to you? Another cat asks, oh. there is hope at last. Stone teller bows his head. Yes, they have told them there is hope. The first cat asks if he knows what will rid them of this terrible danger. Yes, Craig. The <laughs> tribe of endless... <laughs> I'm so... like craig name or is it craig like a craggedy like cave like a like a rock like a like okay a i'm sorry you can't just say no, like I know. Yeah, it's like stone teller moonlight craig <laughs> like i know i mean i barely kept it together like it's, it's so funny it is it's i i i was like oh cool like these are like some of the past other cat societies that um that uh midnight has helped this is so cool and then craig just shows up and i'm just craig. i just all i see is like the most average man imaginable <laughs> like in an adidas like sweatsuit like like in a cave with a bunch of mud covered cats yeah i was like i was like oh my god why is craig why are you here okay craig why are you here craig okay sorry sorry all right <laughs> we'll stop we'll stop making fun of craig for two seconds oh no i was losing it taking notes too <laughs> all right the tribe of endless hunting has promised him a cat will come a silver cat not from this tribe who will rid us of sharp tooth once and for all another cat asks if there is any other cats that aren't in the tribe of rushing water Craig says he's heard of strange. <laughs> I'm sorry, and like sharp tooth, like they couldn't give Craig like a slightly better name. <sighs> Poor Craig. Well, Poor Craig. Uh, spoiler alert: that's not his full name. I yeah. Why would they ever give him that nickname? It's pretty <laughs> disrespectful. 
Craig says he's heard of strangers, although none have been seen in their lifetime. He asks when the silver cat will come. Others ask if it's really true, and Stone Teller promises them that it is. The tribe of endless hunting has never lied to them. He has seen his silver fur himself in the moonlit pool. But when, Craig asks again. Stone Teller says that was not shown to him. He doesn't know when the silver cat will come or from where, but they will know it when he arrives. Stone Teller raises his head. Until then, cats of my tribe, we can only wait. Stormfur opens his eyes. Okay, yeah, we're in Stormfur. We're in Stormfur's mind. It's roomy in here. Yeah. I'm just kidding. He's very intelligent. <laughs> He's his father's son. Yep. All he cares about is his friends and his family, which is pretty standard for every cat. Yeah. There's not much else for him to care about. Yeah. Except for maybe cat. food. So he sits up in Midnight's cave, although she's nowhere to be found. Feathertail is sleeping next to him, and beyond her is Tawny Pelt, who seems to be finally resting easily. That's good. Crowpaw is on the opposite side of the cave. Near the cave entrance, Brambleclaw is stretched out beside Squirrelpaw, who is curled in a tight ball. Stormfur feels a stab of jealousy at the two of them so close together, and he tries to push it away. He has no right to admire Squirrelpaw, her courage, and her bright optimism. As much as he did, they came from different clans. Brambleclaw would make her a better mate. <laughs> Let's put a pin in that, Stormfur. Let's put a pin in that. What? <laughs> okay, how- so Yeah, we okay, just wait. open- Wait a second. Hang on. No, hang on a second. How is it he is the son- of Silverstream and Graystripes, two of the most stubbornly optimistic characters we've ever faced, and he somehow ended up with Firestar's, uh, like, self-confidence, which is none. Bro, like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Look at you. You're Stormfur. You have the coolest name ever. But remember what happened. Well, but remember his parents. What happened? Yeah. Okay. When so that should what be their whole sit. So that should be the first thing he thinks of. Not oh, I'm not good enough. It should be. But knowing what no. happened to my parents. No, he doesn't think he's not good enough. He's saying they come from different clans. Okay. He's like we're from different clans, and so this can never happen because I know how badly that can go. Right. Okay. That's a little more clear. But geez. so yeah. Jeez Louise. Um, you know that's all Firestar and Graystripe want. They just want to be in-laws. Together. Yeah, I honestly think, if anything, he is... As, as soon as, like, I don't know who's going to take over River Clan when Leopard Star bites it, but as soon as a different leader comes in, well, let's make Storm for a leader, and then he can date whoever he wants, because then it's like, oh, I don't know, guys. <laughs> well, hopefully Mistyfoot makes it. She's deputy now. Oh, right. I forgot yeah. who Mistyfoot. I forgot. Well, that Misty, Well, then that will never happen. Are you kidding me? Mistyfoot will never let yeah. uh, that happen. Because yeah. she, she's like, I also have trauma from parentage uh, dancing. <laughs> like, she's no. like, not my son. Not my child. 
he's like, your son's Reed Whisker. She's like, you're also my son. <laughs> you were my cousin's child and I love you. Yeah. Stormfur should rouse his companions, but he's reluctant. He wants to let them sleep a little longer. They need their strength for what lies ahead. Stormfur steps outside and Midnight is sitting at the highest point of the cliff. Stormfur goes to her and he dips his head politely and sits beside her. She greets him. Such a good young man. He's such a polite young man. Her eyes are fixed on the stars fading in the dawn sky. And he asks her if she can really read the signs there from Starkman. And he half mm. hopes that her terrible prophecies from last night would disappear in the morning light. Midnight tells him that there's much to be read everywhere. In the stars, running water, the flash of light on waves. The whole world speaks if your ears are open to listen. Stormfur says he must be deaf. The future seems so dark to him. Okay. All right. <sighs> Midnight tells him to look. There's one last star in the sky. And she tells them that they have seen their meeting. And Starkman is pleased. They will help them in the coming days. Midnight, when we go home... Stormfur is interrupted by a yowl. Squirrelpaw has burst from the tunnel. Oh my I'm gosh. starving. Where's the prey around here? How did you develop a crush on her? <laughs> She's amazing. I know. That's my future I, wife. I love her. She's obnoxious and brash. I appreciate it. But, like, I'm wondering how Stormfur is like, wow. Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't see Stormfur with someone as hard-headed as her. But maybe that would be good for He'd him. He'd be the gentle, the gentle, yeah. the gentle boy to her, her bad girl. But I don't, I think she doesn't want someone who she can just bowl over. She might think that's what she wants, but I think she needs someone who, like, not, I'm not saying, she like. She needs someone to challenge her. I think he, he needs to have a little more, like, he needs to challenge her a bit more for them to be on equal footing. He, yeah, yeah he would be the gentle one, but he'd also be firm. You know what, maybe it could work out. I've, I've, I've entirely uh, once, convinced... Once she matures and, you know, isn't ready to fight everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Hungry Baby. <laughs> hungry Baby has arrived. Well, Crowpaw tells her to let them out and maybe they'll tell her. <laughs> Crowpaw's like, let me out! Someone farted, I'm dying. Crowpaw emerges behind Squirrelpaw, followed by Feathertail. And Stormfur bounds to his sister to touch noses with her. With their mother dead and father in another clan, they were closer than most siblings. <laughs> Squirrelpaw laughs in psychic. <laughs> <laughs> Squirrelpaw's like, Closer yeah, I'm, I, you guys are close, but do you have a weird psychic link that gives you hints on what uh, herbs to try? Yeah. yeah. Do you have a psychic link? I don't think so. Closer than most, my tail. <laughs> Feathertail reports that Tawny Pelt is much better this morning. That's and good. Tawny Pelt comes out of the den, and she looks stronger, but she's barely limping. Yay. Brambleclaw follows and says they should get going. Squirrelpaw insists that they have to eat first. Stormfur agrees but also shares Brambleclaw's urgency. 
What if they delayed too long and cats died? Uh, okay. Now Firestar's self-esteem and his anxiety. Yeah, I, okay. I, 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 okay, but, oh my god. It's, it's weird seeing a cat so much who I, I imagine looks like his dad that thinks like Firestar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is kind of, I mean, it's kind of just like pro-tag thoughts, I guess, kind of with warrior cats. Yeah. There's always a little anxiety. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it, they, they gotta keep keep the plot, they don't want to railroad it, so they're like, yeah, we'll just we'll just give them anxiety, and that will keep it them on yeah. plot. Yeah, and then they can think about what's happening a lot. Yeah. Well, Brambleclaw tells her that they can pick up prey as they go, and Squirrelpaw murmurs that he's a bossy furball. Ponypal says he's right, they don't have time to waste. And even Crowpaw, who was even less likely to agree with Brambleclaw than Squirrelpaw, had nothing to say against setting out. Okay. Stormfur realizes with a jolt that they had unified. Yeah. That's what he's They were no longer That's what that's what that's what Midnight said last night. <laughs> well well Brambleclaw definitely Brambleclaw had that realization last night. Oh. Now Stormford's really seeing it. Okay, I thought we all were on the same page, but that's okay. I mean we all are on the same page eventually, I guess. Yeah. Well, he realizes that they're no longer squabbling rivals, but a united force with a single purpose, to save their clans. Yep. And a warm feeling of belonging washes over Stormfur. His loyalty to RiverClan was complicated, and his clanmates were still suspicious of he and Feathertail's half-clan heritage. But here... He had friends who judged him without thinking of clan differences. So, you know, it's like... And you gotta remember, um, Feathertail has her own graphic novel before this happens. Like, right mm-hmm. before it. That, like, goes into this, like, really good, I think. But, like, River Clan was gonna let them die. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah! Like... Yikes. That, that was upset. That was that was super people. upsetting. I remember. Yeah, and they still live with these people. Yeah, I mean, and and you can also like say like yeah, they were under the thumb of Blood Clan, but like at the same time, they did nothing to stop it. Yeah, it's the like bystander thing, and it's just like, Ooh. yeah, they let Stonefur die. Yeah, and, and yeah, you could also say like, well, Stonefur like signed up for it. Yeah, he well, he can't not really. <laughs> No. He wouldn't kill children. Yeah. Yeah, so they, it's a very, very complicated relationship with RiverClan. And uh, like I said, we'll do Feathertail's graphic novel one day, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. it's very good. They do a very good job of covering that. Brambleclaw goes to stand in front of Midnight, and he tells her that the thanks of all the clans go with her. Midnight tells him it's not time to say goodbye yet. Oh, she'll come with them as far as the woods to make sure they're on the right path. And without waiting for a response, she started off. The, the cat stood. <laughs> well, what are we waiting for? Squirrelpaw asks and dashes off after midnight. The uh, rest follow more slowly. And Stormfur sends up a silent prayer to StarClan. It's late in leaf fall, but the sun is warm. Crowpaw takes off after a rabbit, and Brambleclaw gets frustrated. But Crowpaw is back quickly, 
Here, he said. It didn't take too long, did it? Suppose we're allowed to stop and eat it? Of course, Brambleclaw says. And he apologizes, which is good. Yep, yep, yep. He forgets how fast WindClan cats are. <laughs> this moorland must feel like home. Cropal nods as they crowd the rabbit. Oh my god, can you see the sweat dripping off me? Oh my gosh, it's like I'm a river. How about we break for a cat fact right now? Oh, sure, if it's time, it is time. Alright, so. I think it, I think it is, I think it's a good time. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Cat Fact Art Gallery. It is I, your humble host, Tangle Tongue, and her beloved companion, Emberheart, and all of you, our dearest listeners. I want to begin this session by saying that I took two to three art history classes in college, uh, but I'm in no way an expert in art history. One of them was right next to me. Yes. And what a tale it was. We, jeez, oh god, do you remember that one project? Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> we, we can't talk about that during the podcast. Not now. Anyway, uh, we also, I also want to give a fair warning that I will be describing the artwork uh, for any of our viewers who are unable to use the link or perhaps uh, or do not have the best eyesight. I will be describing the artwork to the best of my capabilities. However, if you would like to, you can click on the link provided in the episode description. Today's artwork is Bouquet and the Cat by Suzanne Valadon. Um, so... Uh, describe this work. This is a tall painting lengthwise, um, hot dog length, like I said last time. Um, and starting on the left-hand side, there is a patterned green curtain with sort of like a white swirly pattern that flows down um, and it gathers onto a brown wooden chair. And on this chair is a striped orange cat laying relaxed on the curtain. Um, the cat has yellow eyes and is looking up at the viewer or the painter and behind the cat is a small table with a red floral tablecloth. A blue vase uh, with water holds some red poppies and small purple flowers that are kind of overflowing and flowing out. Um, it's unclear what's like behind the full scene. It could be like a blue wall or possibly a windowsill. Um, the whole thing is very impressionistic. The lines are thick and expressive. The cat's posture is relaxed. And while the anatomy is not perfect, the eyes are slightly askew. The rolls and folds of the cat's skin and fur show a knowledge of how like soft and like the weight of how a cat would be. Um, so a little bit about this artist. Susan Valadon, born Marie Clementine or Clementine Valadon, is a very interesting painter. Um, she, uh, a, a slight con content warning, um, starting now I will provide time skips, but we are going to be talking a little bit about possible um, sexual abuse and also um, an attempt at her own life uh, that she attempted. Uh, we won't be going into detail, but I will be talking about it because I believe they're important. Um, so I will provide timestamps if you just want to skip over even just like the briefest mention. Um, so she was born in 1865 and passed away at age 72. And in that time, she kind of had an insane life. Um, she was friends or models with some of history's most recognized painters of that time period. Um, I chose her mainly because uh, she's known as a cat lover and actually when you google her name the second image that shows up of her is her holding her cat 
which is possibly oh, her good. pet Ramanu, who she or Ramanu, uh, who she has painted in other uh, uh, paintings. He's not. I don't believe he is the one featured in the painting we're looking at today, but there are other paintings of him. I'm also familiar uh, with one of her pieces that we'll talk about in a little bit. So, and I also didn't know how turbulent her life was. So, Valadon was born to a single mother um, and was born out of wedlock. So, already kind of a tough upbringing in this time period. Uh, she went to school uh, until about age 11. Um, then she left school and she started to work. She worked a couple different odd jobs until she eventually joined the circus as an acrobat. And she was in the trapeze uh, for about a year until oh. she actually injured herself and then was unable to continue to work at the circus. Um, and so ending her career in the circus age 15, um, this injury might have actually led to her uh, later successful career as a painter because she became a model for the art world. Um, and I want to preface that at this time, a lot of models for painters were usually underage girls, um, either like often ballet dancers or sex workers were unfortunately oftentimes the models that these men used and also possibly preyed upon. So I did not find any uh, known history of what was going on with um, uh, Susan at this time, uh, what she was doing to possibly make her way in life. Um, so I don't know if she was a sex worker or if she was just a model. Um, she took on the name Maria um, and then later her nickname became Suzanne. Um, but it, I, just because I didn't find details about it doesn't mean that wasn't happening. It's just something that's known mm -hmm. to have happened. So I just want to preface it with that. Um, and she um, ended up modeling and befriending some very famous artists uh, such as Renoir and Toulouse-Lautrec. Toulouse-Lautrec was actually the one who gave her the nickname Suzanne. Um, and he also introduced her to Degas, who ended up being uh, very influential because Degas um, encouraged her to keep painting. Um, she actually stopped being nice. friends with Toulouse-Lautrec at one point, um, which uh, was after, I don't know how old exactly she was, but she did attempt suicide um, when she was possibly 16, 17, and Toulouse-Lautrec stopped being her friend um, afterwards because of that. Um, and oh. I just want to bring that up because it she didn't succeed, thankfully, and was able to have like a very long and successful life afterwards. Um, but she did have depression, something her own son actually struggled with as well, and why he turned to painting later on in life. So I just mm -hmm. think it's important to recognize that she was a mentally ill woman who went on to have like a very, if not a little bit turbulent, maybe not like perfectly happy, but a very full life. So even though she had like this chaos when she was younger, she was able to, at least in some part, continue to go on in her life. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, so I think it's important to yeah. acknowledge that she overcame that and you know, she lived to be 72, so, and I didn't see any other mentions of attempts, so thankfully it seemed that she, whatever was going on in that time, uh, hopefully she had some friends. Maybe, maybe she, when she stopped being friends with Toulouse the Trek, things improved, who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so Degas encouraged her to paint, which she did, and she was actually most well known for her uh, nude female portraits she did of other women. Um, and that's because she did a very honest kind of view of the woman's body and something that was less under the male gaze. A lot of critics recognize she, she drew really kind of realistic women portraits. One, um, that I've seen before is the blue room, which I love, uh, and I've loved her while I was actually, I didn't realize she was the artist who created that because it's something, um, I've loved for a while, uh, because it shows a woman with my body type in a painting of this time period and it's beautiful. 
Yeah. I've also linked that artwork in the bottom. Uh, if you are looking into her, just so you know, a lot of her portraitures uh, are nude women. Uh, but they're very beautiful and expressive. And um, she never went to the Academy. Um, and she didn't really, like, care for their acceptance. She was later accepted as, like, um, like part of, like, you know, one of the great painters of the time. Um, and she found a lot of uh, success. But she like she's like whatever I don't need to I don't need to go to school I can do it on my own um and uh, Heck yeah, girl. uh so her career did not slow down um even as she got older at eighteen she uh had a child um, Maurice uh, who also became a painter um it's uh, rumored that uh, Renoir may have been the father because she modeled with him when she was age sixteen to twenty one I believe um but. That's wow. never been confirmed, and actually, one of Valadon's other painter friends uh, wrote like he was the dad, but no, everyone knew that he wasn't. Like they just, he just wrote that to like help her avoid, you know, a thrush pelt. Yeah. So his 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 parentage is actually unsure. Um, but moving later into life, she actually married and divorced two times. Um, she ended up uh, being um, single near the end of her life, but that was fine. She actually, at one point, uh, her son Maurice, when he was older, uh, met a painter uh, that uh, Suzanne ended up dating, and he was 23 and she was in her 40s, and because she, she was a MILF, so she just was like, all right, cool, here's this young dude wants to date me, we got it, and they ended up, they... Uh, uh, ended up seemed to be fine. Maurice didn't seem to have too much of an issue with it. He was like, okay, mom. Okay. Okay. That's my friend. <laughs> um, uh, she also loved cats. Um, she was known to let goats and cats wander around her studio goats because they would eat the paintings and drawings she didn't like. Um, and, oh, uh, I gotta get a goat. And her cats, um, she treated very well. She was known to give them caviar on Fridays because they were Catholic because Catholic people can't eat meat on Fridays. So I don't know. It wasn't clear if um, this was a joke or if she was Catholic. I don't think she was Catholic, but she did give her, she didn't give her cats meat on Fridays. She gave them caviar. So her cats were very oh beloved. Um, so a very that. interesting woman. Yeah. She did date a dude 20 years younger than her, but like he was, he was an adult. She was an adult. So it's like less creepy than other situations. Like I'm not like, uh, I'm like okay like that was your son's friend so she was a little bit divisive a little bit like has some stuff but overall um I think she's an amazing painter she uh when she did pass away like Picasso came to her funeral um who so she like she rubbed elbows with some of those problematic but some of the most famous painters of that period so who knows mm -hmm. all the stuff she saw um and was oh, exposed cool. to because she rose from being um like a daughter of an unwed woman who had to drop out of school at 11 and became a, a super successful painter and model. So, and honestly, uh, seeing her work and knowing that she was a model, you do get a different perspective on the things that she painted. Um, and she did paint so cool. several cats. Um, and her cats all just kind of look like this. They're very, they look very relaxed and chunky and it's very good. Um, oh, I love, I love so yeah, that is today's cat star. star. Today's it's artist. fire star. Yeah, he's got, like, white stripes. Um, he's very handsome. I'm not... I think her cat, the one I mentioned, I think he was a brown cat based on the other um, images. Uh, like, a brown tabby. Yeah. Um, I will be sure to link um, images of her um, uh, other paintings of cats. But you can... It, if you just Google her first image of her uh, 
well, second image I should say that pops up is her literally holding a cat that's like looking up at her, and it's very funny. Gosh, she's, that's she's very beautiful. You can tell why she was a model, but like, um, yeah, and the fact that she was in like the circus and had she, <laughs> she did all this stuff all before she was eighteen and like survived her really own cool. yeah. So wild, wildlife. I want to look further into her. Um, I wasn't, I was only able to read like online articles, but I, there are a few books written about her that I want to look into eventually. Nice. Well, thank you for that cat fact, Brenna. It was a beautiful painting. Mm -hmm. Beautiful woman. All right. So they're about to, they're about to eat a rabbit. Yay. Breakfast time. Stormfrost stops short as he sees a glow of admiration in Feathertail's eyes. His sister isn't interested in Crowpaw, is she? Oh, God. I can't believe, like, this is just... Stormfur comes and we're just getting the hot goss. From, like, the last book, I kind of got the vibe that Kropa had a crush on her. But come on, Feathertail. Oh. Really? Come on, <laughs> Feathertail. Like, I guess he's, like, brave, but he's also been, like, a little bit of a, a little brat. <laughs> and a cat from another clan? And an apprentice at that had no right to start padding after Feathertail. What did she even see in him? Doesn't she know the problems these sort of things caused? Hadn't they learned that from their parents? Hadn't they? But his gaze does slide to Squirrelpaw. Did he have any right to criticize Feathertail when he liked Squirrelpaw so much? But who wouldn't like the brave, intelligent <laughs> ThunderClan apprentice? And he knows better than to start anything with a cat from another clan. They couldn't possibly have a future together. He hopes he's imagining things. <laughs> Anyone would admire Crowpaw's speed in catching that rabbit. He caught that rabbit real, real fast. <laughs> that must be all Feathertail's feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And once they finished, they set off again. It was sun high by the time they reached the woods. A heap of brown fur was in the long grass. Hey, Purdy, Brambleclaw called. We're back. Oh, yeah. Hey, Purdy. Are you ready? Is Purdy there? Purdy's here. Okay, good. Purdy's there. Yeah. Oh, thank God, Purdy. Well, he reckoned he'd never see them again. I'm glad Purdy's not dead. Well, Purdy stopped and hissed. Don't move a whisker. There's a badger behind them. Oh, Purdy, wait! Just let him deal with okay, it. Okay, wait, wait, Purdy, Purdy, wait. We should have told you first. Purdy, that's our friend. He knows, he knows some fighting moves. Yeah, now. no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at all surprised. If anything, I think Purdy, like, yeah, despite the fact that he, like, lives in two like place, like, he has to, like, deal with two, like, like, kids and two, like, uh, pets. Like, he, I'm sure he's fought before, but... It's six young, probably uncomfortably muscled cats. And he's like, step aside. I got this. You guys got something behind you. I'll deal with it. At least that's because Purdy's a good guy. Well, Stormfur interrupts him and tells him it's okay. This is midnight. She's a friend. Purdy says you don't make friends with a badger. Yeah. Purdy's like, what is wrong with you guys? Well, Stormfur really hopes that midnight isn't offended by that. Because, you know, she is still a badger and could kill him with one swipe. I think if she's been around, like, other cats, she understands. 
Like, she, if she's dealt with other cat yeah, clans, no. she knows what's up. She just looks amused. Yeah, she's used to this. She just looks having a chuckle. Stormfair tells Midnight to come meet Purdy. He guided them through two-leg place. I mean, guide is a loose term, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> he, he got them. He got them in the right direction. He did. Midnight assures him that she's not here to fight. A friend of her friend is also her friend. And they've told her much about him. Uh-huh. Purdy says he can't say he's pleased to meet her. But she must be alright if they say so. <laughs> Purdy turns to Brambleclaw and asks why they're hanging around. There are upwalkers and dogs everywhere. Say goodbye and let's go. Hang on, Squirrelpaw says. He said they could hunt. <laughs> Brambleclaw says they can. <laughs> Stormfur smells... Um, sniffs the air, and the dog scents are stale. He thinks Purdy's just saying that to get away from midnight. <laughs> Aww. Can't blame him. Well, Brambleclaw says they can split up and meet back where they stayed last time. And he asked Honeypelt if she'd like to go straight there. No, she says. I can hunt as well as any of you. Midnight gives her a gentle nudge. Foolish warrior. Rest while you are able. She can show Midnight the camping place, and she'll leave when it's dark. And Tawny Pelt relents. Stormfur thinks that it would be nice to hunt with Feathertail like they did back at home. But Crowpaw is whispering in her ear. He's asking if she'd like to go hunting with him. They do better together. I can't... Wait, okay, so this book is gonna be... Like, the first book was, we're all gonna die, we gotta go, we're on a journey, we're on a mission. Now this book is like, I wonder if, like... I wonder if we'll kiss. <laughs> it's like, it's summer camp. It's, Maybe it's a difference of perspective. Okay, Like, it's, Brambleclaw's very... Or it's like summer camp where the first week's like kind of exciting. Like, it's, oh, it's kind of like weird. You're kind of getting used to it. And the second week, you're kind of like, well, I heard that Tammy likes Bill. So you know that she's <laughs> at the end of this week. She's going to ask him to the to the leaf down dance. Like, I could. Well, they're. Stormfur's just a romantic. Yeah. Like his daddy. <laughs> the romantic like his daddy. Stormfur the romance man. He's a romance man. Well, Feathertail says that would be great, and her eyes shone. Then she spots Stormfur and looks embarrassed. She says they could all hunt together. Crowpaw looks away, and Stormfur's fur prickles. What right did this apprentice have to invite Feathertail to be his hunting partner? Stormfur is just jealous that his sister's not spending time with him. He tells them he's fine hunting alone and spins around and leaves. And he tries to pretend he didn't see the hurt in his sister's eyes. He catches some prey and heads back. And he feels guilty about leaving Feathertail. He came on this journey specifically to protect her. He can't abandon her in some strange place just because Crowpaw annoyed him. Tawny Pelt is stretched out in the shade of a hawthorn bush. And Midnight is dozing beside her. Brambleclaws keeping watch, and Feathertail and Crowpaw are sharing a squirrel. Squirrelpaw appears at the top of the slope with Purdy. Brambleclaw says they should eat and then get moving. 
the Stormforger goes to eat by Feathertail. And Feathertail says the hunting here is brilliant. It's a pity they can't stay longer. Stormfur would agree if not for the urgency of their return. His paws are itching to get going. Stormfur starts to groom himself when he hears a low snarl behind him. Uh oh. Two slender, tawny shapes emerge from the bracken. Foxes. What the heck? Dun, dun, dun. Chapter two. We're switching perspectives. Do you want one last guess? No, I won't. Get, I won't do it right. Leafpaw wrinkles her nose at the scent of mouse bile. We actually didn't change. It's just Leafpaw again. Okay, I'm actually not too surprised about that because I was like, it has to be someone who, like, was it, who's in, like, part of, like, the clan. So it kind of makes sense yeah. that it'd be Leafpaw. Okay. Yeah, so we're still in ThunderClan in the forest. Well, she's dabbing uh, some mouse bile on a tick on Sorreltail's shoulder, mm. and Sorreltail asks if it's gone yet. Mm-hmm. Leafpaw tells her to give it time. That's the only th- good thing about ticks, Sorreltail says. They hate mouse bile as much as we do. <laughs> yep. She shakes the tick from her shoulder and thanks Leafpaw. Yep. Thanks. Leafpaw looks to the falling leaves. There were so few moons before Leaf there. And she's thinking about that giant monster she'd seen out on patrol with her parents. Leafpaw is beginning to understand the danger that has been foretold. It has come, and Leafpaw doesn't see how any cat could stop it. Sorreltail asks if she's okay. She says she's fine. Yeah, super. Firestar had actually ordered the patrol to keep quiet about what they saw until he decided how he wanted to break the news to the rest of the clan. So no one else knows. Oh. She tells Sorreltail that she needs to watch the bile from her paws. And Sorreltail volunteers to go with her. They can grab some fresh kill on the way. In the clearing, Whitepaw and Shrewpaw are scuffling outside the apprentice's den. Ferncloud's kits are watching them with wide-eyed admiration. Ferncloud is washing herself, keeping a careful eye on her litter. Dustpelt, Mousefur, and Spiderpaw are returning from the Dawn Patrol, and Dustpelt's eyes narrow with pleasure when he catches sight of Ferncloud in their kits. The camp is busy and peaceful, and Leafpaw can barely keep back a wail of despair. At the sight of Leafpaw, the apprentices stopped squabbling and started whispering. The patrol gave her uneasy glances. Rumors about yesterday's patrol had spread around camp. Firestar had called Graystripe, Sandstorm, and Cinderpelt into a meeting. So everyone knew something had happened. Before her and Sorreltail could reach the entrance, Firestar leaped onto the high rock and called the clan together. Sorreltail nudges Leafpaw and murmurs that she knows what he's going to say, doesn't she? Leafpaw nodded bleakly. Sorreltail says she knew something happened yesterday. The whole patrol came back looking as if all of ShadowClan were clawing at their tails. Leafpaw says she wishes it were just that. Dun dun dun! Let's wait to see what Firestar is gonna say because uh, can you can you see the sweat dripping? Yeah. All right. So before Maureen melts into a literal puddle, look at, look we're, at my arm. we're gonna look at my 
Okay, stop talking about how sweaty you are so I can talk about... Folks, if you want to make sure that Maureen uh, hasn't melted next week, uh, you can keep in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, Our handle is WCWITCast. Um, If you want to contact us a different way, a way you can do that is our email, which is WCWITCast at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, uh, We're starting a new book, so if you want to recommend the podcast to someone and be like, hey, remember that book Moonrise? These two two (laughs) young women are talking about it and also sometimes art. It's weird. Listen to this podcast. And one's really, really sweaty. Yeah, one's melting. <laughs> so. I'm, yeah. You you gotta listen to it so, so that she, her melting is worth it. <laughs> um, But I will be recording this from hopefully my new place next week. New place. So that's exciting. New place. Not my shed. But either way, thank you guys so much for listening. We truly appreciate yes. it. Thank you. Because I'm Ember Heart. And I'm Tangletone. And this has been Warrior Cats. What is that?